You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. You know, when you think about uh, the beginning of time and God establishing this creation, from the moment he established this earth, he had a plan in mind for you. The Bible said he knew you even before the foundations of this world. And so when you think about uh, the greatness and the vastness of God, he, he's just so awesome. And, and yet he cares enough about you and what you're dealing with right now at this point of time in your life. And, and uh, so when we look at origins, this uh, series is actually addressing the core values of refuge. Uh, this January we relaunched changing the name from Good News Fellowship Church to Refuge, which that has been quite the exciting journey and venture. And I know that uh, God is going forth on our behalf and establishing his purpose in our lives and purpose in our midst, in our community. So uh, I'm looking with anticipation and optimism of what God's going to do in our city, what God's going to do in our nation. Even though you can watch the news and see all this negative stuff and be weighed down and burdened down, I believe that God has a plan, amen? And he has a way of turning things around. And even when it seems like there's no hope, God can burst forth his light and bring redemption and truth and victory and deliverance to hurting people and to a nation. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that. I uh, read something about a... A physician that once said the best medicine for humans is love and somebody responded to that and said well what if that doesn't work well the physician said well just increase the dose okay <clears throat> so that's my just a little word of uh, wisdom and uh, insight to you today and I, I want to pray this morning we're gonna pray for the sermon and the message but um, I also want to pray uh, for the recent attack for the families of the victims that lost their lives. Uh, we know that this world is messed up, uh, yet we serve a God who can bring order in the midst of disorder. And he can calm the most violent storms of life. Uh, in a day that people are turning from God, we are turning to God. And I believe revival is beginning to work in the land and, and, and we need to continue to turn to God in times of crisis. There's been another attack of terror against America on American soil um, at military facilities in Chattanooga, Tennessee uh, by an extreme Muslim gunman. And the nation grieves over the loss of these lives, uh, these ex-Marines, these veterans, war veterans, combat veterans that lost their lives. And, and the, the flags are being flown half-mast today uh, to honor these fallen soldiers. And it's important to know that we need to pray against these evils that are trying to befall our land and attack our nation. And so let's take a moment and pray. Father, as we look to you, We thank you for your plan in the midst of all the chaos. Father, in the midst of the terror and, and these acts of atrocity, Father, we pray for peace. We pray, Father, that you strengthen these families that lost loved ones and that you minister your peace and that you uh, cause people to rise up 
during this time and to take their place in your kingdom to serve your purpose. We pray for wisdom for our leaders, Father, for, for the protection of the people of this nation from terror. In the name of Jesus, we pray for our leaders that there would be conviction for them to take appropriate action to secure the freedom and the liberties that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. And Father, we also pray for the people here this morning in the message, Father, that you've given me to share that you would allow it to minister revelation and truth in their hearts. In Jesus' name we look to you and Holy Spirit, we ask that you teach us, that you minister to us now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, uh, it's interesting just a couple of statistics about this. The fifth serviceman died yesterday from gunshot wounds. Um, all were combat veterans who probably served their country. And the seven other people that were actually in the recruiting center that came under attack survived. But, but these uh, veterans protected these other people that were there. So there were acts of courage that were demonstrated. And these were people that had served the country and yet still are serving the country and, uh, or serve the country right to their last breath. And uh, so we need to continue to pray against terrorism and, and, and be informed as, as a people and a nation and, and right share senators and congressmen to, so that we can have place to really secure our protection as a nation. So we've been talking about core values and when we think about core values, we're really talking about principles of, of how we do life together and how we function as a church, how we function as a ministry, how we deal with each other within the church, and how we minister to those outside the church. And so core values are essential, and the core values at Refuge are based upon biblical principles, and yet we see that uh, uh, it helps us to be a guide, to direct us, and, and uh, Refuge is a place for people. You can see that as a tagline, it's a place for people. I believe people will come through these doors and they may come with their burdens, they may come with their mess, they may come with their difficulties, and they, they may come great and fine and just want to plug in and serve. But no matter the condition they come in, I believe that God wants them to leave changed. God wants them to leave because they've encountered his presence, because they've been stirred and inspired by the truth of the word. And because, you know, Christianity is something far more than a religion. It's, it's really an encounter with a living God. It's an encounter with a real person, Jesus. And, and I don't, I don't want to ever get to the point where I see my walk with God as just a, a form of works, do's and don'ts. It's a relationship. And so we understand that and, and we hold that uh, so precious. And the fact that we have a relationship with Jesus um, our vision at Refuge is that we believe all people matter to God. And this is a place where we grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. Now, so far, we've, we've talked about uh, several core values. We are a people who cannot be broken. We're a family that always forgives. We're peacemakers in a world at war. We're a body that, when damaged, will heal. We're a safe place for poor and for rich. And I just wanna, I wanted to interject something. As I was praying yesterday, 
the Lord reminded me of, of, of a story, of, of an incident that took place several years ago while I was in Uganda on a mission trip. And I can remember that particular uh, mission trip. It was, it was uh, one of those times where in the ministry we really didn't have the finances, but we stepped out on a limb and I went. And so we had a very small budget to work with when I was over there. And usually I like to have some resources so I can meet needs when I uh, see needs uh, that I can respond to. But I was with a, a pastor and he took me to his village, a village where he had a church. And this church uh, just had a dirt floor. It was very simple. And as I was looking around, the Spirit of God began to speak to me. I'm, I'm looking, I was in the church and we went outside and I see the bush. I, I see the, the poverty around me. I see the great need. And the Spirit of God started speaking to me and said, I have made you a resource person. And your church is a resource ministry to meet needs. And I thought to myself, Lord, but, you know, there's so much need, there's so great a need, and I have so little. And, and then this pastor took me into a home where I prayed for this family. Someone was battling an illness, and I prayed with this family, and, and then they shared that uh, their 17-year-old daughter did not have the finances to go to school, and there uh, it was like $300 tuition for a whole year, and I said, wow, that's great. I was just 3000 That's you know, That's a deal, you know? But they didn't have it, and so they presented that need, and I thought, Lord, if I had that right now, I would pay that tuition for her so that she could go to school. And, and so that was so heavy on my heart. And then this pastor took me, we went to another church and I met another pastor. And that pastor actually invited me to minister in this church and we did a, a couple of services there. Uh, and, but that pastor, before we left, he said, let's pray. And he prayed with me, he took my hand, joined my hands and prayed God's blessing over my life. And then he took 300, three $100 bills and put them in my hand. And I tell you, that was the first time in Africa that anything like that happened. And he said, I believe that any time I meet a man of God, I need to bless him. $300, guess what? Where do you think that $300 is gonna go? <laughs> and so the Lord confirmed to me, okay, Lord, I, I had the desire to do something and you gave me that opportunity to do it. And if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. And I can remember that, that pastor shared with me his testimony because I thought, in Africa, we're always the one giving to them. It's never the other way around them giving to us because you know, we're so much more blessed than they are. But he told me that he had prayed for a man whose wife could not conceive and that woman conceived, and he didn't know who this man was. He was actually in England uh, ministering at a church. He was invited there to preach, and this man was a multimillionaire, and so he contacted me. He said, uh, I want your bank account number. Now, you usually don't do that if somebody's asking for it, and he said, because I want to transfer some money into your bank account just out of gratitude for, for uh, how God used you in my life and family. We, we're celebrating this precious child that was born. And so he sent him a million dollars. A million dollars. And so this pastor, but 
he had such a heart of generosity. He didn't just keep it to himself. He was giving and sharing and meeting needs in Uganda. And, and so that seed that he gave to me, I can remember going back and, and giving it to that family and how they just, you know, were so grateful and thankful. And I was trying to find, she wrote a note of thanksgiving and, and gratitude from that. I couldn't find that, but I, I would read it to you if, if, I, if I had it with me. And so realize that God has called refuge to be a place of resource where real needs are met so that we're not just at a place where, uh, you know, we, we're struggling to get by. We need to be far beyond that by looking, Lord, where can we invest in the lives of others and make a difference in this world? And so I, just, I thought it, I just was on my heart to share that God brought that story to me uh, yesterday. And so God confirmed that to me. And, I, I believe that what we need to understand is if we're going to be a resource, we need to know the source. God is our source. To be a resource, you have to many times be resourceful. Okay. Now, last week we talked about a haven for those who are tired. And um, I tell you, people are just weary in this hour. And, and this message kind of dovetails right into what we're talking about today. Uh, that we are a friend who won't grow weary. And, but it's important to realize that by God's design, he's determined that the church be a safe place for the tired and for the weary, which is also the vision for this nation. And, and you and I know that this nation was founded upon Christian principles, biblical principles. And, and realize, and I have to tell you a story about a woman. You may not know about this woman, but she's a historical figure. Uh, Emma Lazarus. Anybody ever hear of Emma Lazarus? Okay, all right. And this is something I just learned too, so um, I didn't know about her either. But she had actually worked with East European immigrants through her association with the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. In the year 1883, as part of a fundraising campaign for erecting the Statue of Liberty, uh, she composed the words which are affixed to the statue's base. And these words are, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And see, that, those words are forever engraved at the base of the Statue of Liberty. These words remain the expression of America's vision to be a haven for those who are denied freedom an opportunity from their native lands for that freedom. And so uh, this should also be a model for the church, right? And, and just as much as being a haven for the tired, we need to be people who will be a friend to the weary. There's a place and there's a people that God is raising up. Today's key scripture, we want to look at this. It's found in Proverbs 18:24. Proverbs 18.24, and this scripture reads, it's in the New King James Version, feel free to turn there with me. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, there are two parts of this passage that we want to address today, and we're going to look at both of them. Now, this scripture really became real to me years ago when I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
to attend Rhema Bible College, and I was looking for a church. At that time, Rhema Bible Church was not established uh, at the school, at the Bible College. They said, find a church, get planted, get involved. Uh, that was their counsel. That was their, you know, what they told us to do. And so I started to visit these different churches. And after visiting two or three churches, I, I would leave these churches thinking, these people aren't very friendly. And I would go into these churches and I'd sit and, and people wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't greet me, wouldn't have any kind of interaction with me. And, and, and so then I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need to go to a smaller church and maybe it'd be more friendly. And I did and kind of the same thing. It was people were like, I was the plague. Maybe my dress from the north wasn't like the south. Or maybe, I don't know what it was. And you get kind of like, what's wrong with me, you know? <laughs> but I can remember kind of complaining to God. Do you ever complain to God? And I was complaining to God. I said, Lord, I thought this is the south. People are supposed to be friendly, southern hospitality, all that. What's going on? And the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, you're the problem. And I said, no, no, Lord. These people are supposed to be friendly, reaching out to me. I'm the first time visitor. I'm the guest. And so then the Lord directed me to this passage. He who has friends must show himself friendly. So the next Sunday, I went to a church, and first time visit, I walked into the doors, and I got there about 15 minutes early, and, and generally, first time visitors come early. They're there before other people, some, some of us are running in late, you know. And I was looking at the bulletin, just reading, you know, standing around, and somebody comes in, and they were gonna just walk right by me, you know, and I, like before, <laughs> And I introduced myself. I said, hi, my name is Matt Malik. Uh, this is my first time visit. I'm, I'm a student at Rhema Bible College and I'm just coming to check things out. Oh, wow. They introduced themselves and, and then I asked questions. So how long have you been coming here? You know? And then engaging in a conversation. And before long, by doing that, hey, why don't you sit with us? And now this part I like. Why don't you come with lunch for us? You can go to lunch with us. Hey, yeah. Or I was invited into the homes and, you know, got to meet people. And, and so I realized that if I'm going to have friends, I need to be friendly. Right. Now, my charge to you, because when I became a pastor, I never forgot this, uh, this that happened to me at, at Bible school. I thought, if I'm ever pastor, and before I knew I'd be a pastor, I said, if I'm pastoring and when I'm pastoring, I don't want that to ever happen. I don't want people to come through the door and have the same experience I had. I want them to be welcomed. I want them to be people to engage and connect with them. And uh, so uh, that's why I'm challenging you as a congregation to show yourself friendly. If you're gonna have friends, you need to be friendly. And so that takes effort because see, I'm pretty much an introvert. And it was hard for me to take that step. It was hard for me to break out of that shell because I was so introverted. I mean, I was a shy guy. I mean, I'd never say anything. You know, I'm just a quiet person. I was there. My presence was there. That was it. I was seen but not heard. Uh, true. I'm, and so things have changed. My wife's, you know, thinking, uh, uh, you know, that's changed. But uh, we can break out of that shell. You might say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, don't be that way anymore. Okay? So, uh, the Greek word for friend in the Bible is phileo. I once had a cat, I named him Flail. He's a very friendly cat, okay? 
So he deserved his name. And phileo is defined as a friend, someone dearly beloved, prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant, held dear in close bond of personal affection. And really, a phileo of a friend is a person who you like and you enjoy being with. You just enjoy being with them. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, how many of you are on Facebook? You have a Facebook page, okay? Okay. I got one, okay? Now, uh, so are you a Facebook friend? Yeah. So we're all Facebook friends if we have a Facebook. Now, it's, it's not just about the face friendships. It's about the heart friendships that really matter. See, God's concerned about what's uh, happening in your heart. See, you know, I, I want to see your face, but I really want to know what's going on in your heart. And that's, just God, that's God, too. We can put a good show, put on a good show, but what's really happening in the heart? Uh, sure, we want to be a Facebook friend, Facebook friend, but it should not just end there, okay? Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, and so on and so on. I actually did a little research and I found a listing of 355 social network, networking websites. 355. How many are you signed up for? <laughs> okay. There's a lot out there. Now, there's more to maintaining friendships than just checking your status, posting updates, uh, liking posts, unliking posts. <laughs> commenting on posts, there's more to friendship than that. Uh, Facebook, along with other types of social media, are trends, okay? And these trends may be here today and gone tomorrow. And when you think about it, it's social media. Media is what you broadcast for everyone to see. And when you really think about true friendships, some things are not meant to be broadcast. Some things are meant to be kept in confidence. Some things are meant to uh, help build up and establish uh, someone in, in their walk. Now, uh, we can't have a Facebook mentality when it comes to friendship, okay? And, and I, that's all I need to say on that. I actually wrote all these statistics on, oh, like, uh, what is it here? 72% women, and 62% of men are on Facebook, okay? So, and uh, now I also read something about, what is it, Pintergram? What is that? I, I can't, I, I don't even go there, so. Pinterest, okay, that's what it is. Pinterest, uh, a whole lot more women are on that than men. A very small percent, I think it's like 32% men, or 27 and like 82% women on that, so. Uh, yeah, we, we don't need to go there anymore. Okay, now friendship really is about building and nurturing relationships, okay? Now, there's characteristics of a true friend that we need to consider. I love Proverbs 17, 17. It says a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. In other words, when you're going through difficult times, a, a friend can be like a brother. A friend can even be closer than a brother to you, and so uh, a friend will accept you as you are. A friend is dependable, uh, they're there for you, they're supportive. A friend is honest, 
A friend does not gossip about you. They don't talk about you behind your back. A friend listens to you. A friend is happy for you. They rejoice with you. They, they grieve with you uh, when you're going through a difficult time. A friend keeps in touch and is giving when you're in need. They're there to lend a helping hand. Now, what does it mean for us as refuge to be a friend who won't grow weary? What does it mean for us as a church? Because people will come through these doors and they'll be weary of broken relationships from the suffering of rejection. You know, we've all been rejected at one time or another. They'll come through these doors discouraged, defeated, and disappointed. They'll come through these doors in need of a friend, in need of somebody that can, can be somebody that can speak into their life and encourage them. And so this is a place where people are refreshed by the company of the people they are with. You know, uh, there are people I just love being around. I just love being around people and, and being in their company. I don't dread it. I had an opportunity to go kayaking with uh, uh, Ben this week. And, and I love being in that man's company. You know, there's just something about him. There's a quality in him that, that, that really speaks so much of God's character. And so I just love being with that guy. I love being right here, right now with you. This is good company to be in. And, and, and so uh, that's part of friendship and, and, and that environment that God has established for his kingdom is for us to be that place that people long to be with. Well, you don't want to miss a church service because of, of just to be with each other. When you're missing, like my mom and dad aren't here today and I, I didn't talk to them. I'm thinking, oh, well, where are they? And I'm thinking, oh, David must have went on a motorcycle ride because usually he picks them up, but he didn't call me to, I'm telling him myself. But, you know, but they're not here, and I'm thinking, where are they? When people are missing, where are they? Because we care, we're concerned, we love you, and when you're missing, um, you know, we miss you, okay? As, as simply put, okay? Now, point number one, how can we be... Uh, a friend who won't grow weary. Point number one, it starts out by being friendly. Just be friendly. And to be friendly is to take interest, showing kindness and goodwill towards others. But it doesn't stop there, okay? And being friendly may mean different things to different people. Uh, to a teenager, it may mean to them that everyone's in a good mood, you know? And, and uh, no one was talking bad about others. So those are friendly people. Uh, so being cheerful and harmonious uh, uh, certainly can be viewed as being friendly, right? And then to an adult, it may be to engage in a meaningful conversation, that you're uh, having dialogue with somebody, that, that you're getting to know them, and you, you, you're having opportunity to share who you are. Uh, so it, and a smile can go a long way. Now, to a child, being a friend uh, may just be an affirming comment, to that child, or a smile to that child, or an invitation to Pastor Deb's office to help themselves to her candy jar. Yeah, the kids like that. They'll line up at the door. <laughs> they want to get some of that, right? And, uh, but we know that they love her more than they love the candy, right? All right, okay. So, uh, point number two, we must be welcoming. If we're going to be a friend who won't grow weary, we must be welcoming. And, and welcoming is different from just being friendly. It's a notch up. It's a step up. Uh, 
to be welcoming, it's going beyond just the superficial. It's going beyond just being surfacy with people. Uh, to be welcoming is to avoid superficiality and, and to be genuine and authentic with those that you meet. And realize that if, in fact, think about this way. If you're welcoming somebody into your home, if you've invited them to your home, uh, you've made preparation for them so that you can make them your focus for the time that they're going to be with you. And so it's giving them time. It's, it's, it's pouring into their lives to be welcoming. You know, if you don't feel welcomed, uh, that's, that's a horrible thing. And I know we've probably all been in situations where we did not feel welcomed, where we show up at the wrong place at the wrong time, like we almost did once. It was uh, we almost, we were going, we thought a graduation party was the day before, but it was the next day. And so we almost showed up to somebody else's party, you know. We probably would not have feel welcomed, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't know if there's a, another time we walked into a place and like, okay, what are you doing here? Go, mm, okay, anyway. Um, realize that this is a meeting place. This is a meeting place. It's a place to meet people and build meaningful relationships with them, especially in the turning points, which are small groups. That's a real place where we can be welcoming, welcoming people into the smaller groups uh, because you really get to know people. And a service like this, uh, just a brief a community time, you know, that can just be, hi, nice to meet you, what's your name? And by the time you get out the door, you forgot their name, you know, kind of thing. But, but beyond that, there's other opportunities and venues where we can connect this body. What, what I love even, how when we get involved and volunteer, uh, we had so many people helping with the carpet renovation at the academy, at the school. I mean, people were coming and volunteering, moving stuff, and people working together, and, and just that community sense of feel where we were getting something done, accomplishing some work. If you haven't had a chance to see the finished prod, prod, uh, product out there, uh, you need to go visit it. We, we're still doing some things. This has been a summer of renovation, and so we're with a new roof, uh, redoing the parking lot, redoing the school, and we have targeted some other areas to replace carpet here. Uh, it's an ongoing thing. And so thank you for your support and all that. But um, now, when you're welcoming, you think about those that you're engaging with, okay? Uh, realize that uh, uh, we want to be welcoming. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be welcoming. All right. Point number three. If we're going to be a friend of the weary, we must show genuine concern and care for others. We must show genuine concern and care for others. Philippians 2.20 says, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Now, Paul was speaking this of Timothy. He was sending Timothy to Philippi, to this church, because he knew Timothy would generally be concerned about their well-being and their needs. And so we understand this important aspect of, of being genuine. To be unselfish is one of the greatest challenges to the human nature. Oh, yeah. 
I will say it again because you need to hear it. To be unselfish is one of the greatest challenges to human nature. See, it's, it's a Christ-like characteristic because he sacrificed his very life. He was selfless in that regard. And so uh, it's really recognizing the needs, the interests, and the concerns of others and not just your own concerns. Philippians 2, and I love this passage. This is a theme of my life. We see this in Philippians chapter 2, turn there, verses 2 through 4. It says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. See, we need to check our heart in that area. Is this out of selfish ambition? Why am I doing this? What's the motive of why I'm doing what I'm doing? Especially in relationship to other people. Am I trying to use them? Or am I really, am I trying to be a blessing in their lives? And then it goes on to say, and this is so important, okay? But in lowliness of mind, that's simply taking a low profile, being humble in your demeanor. It says, in lowliness of mind, you're not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. You're not high-minded. It says, let each esteem others better than himself. Wow. If we live this way, this world would change. Esteeming others is better than ourself. But the problem is we think we're better than others. I said we think we're better than others. But that's not what the Bible says. We need to esteem others as better than ourselves. Let that just take root in your heart right now. It goes on to say, verse 4, let each of you, so it's speaking each individual, each of you, look not for your own, for only his own interest, but also for the interest of others. In other words, the interest of others have now become my concern. That means what you're dealing with has now become my concern. And you discover in your life when you become consumed with the needs of others and, and, and that becomes your concern, your needs God will supernaturally meet and supply. The problem is we're so focused on our own needs that we can't see beyond that. And so we're short-sighted and God wants us to see beyond our own need and see the needs of others. And, and God will meet our need. And point number four, if we're going to be a friend who won't grow weary, we need to be people to introduce people to the greatest friend they could ever meet. And that friend is Jesus. The second part of Proverbs 18.24 says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I believe that speaking of Jesus, that speaking of who he is and what he can be in our life, in John 15, 13, the scripture says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. See, Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he didn't just see them as disciples, he saw them as friends. They were friends of Jesus. And it's interesting, and I wanna talk briefly about this thing called betrayal. It's very painful to be betrayed by a friend, somebody you thought was a friend, and they end up stabbing you in the back. We see 
this man called Job, there's, there's a book in the Bible called Job, it's not Job, it's Job, we see a picture of friends who failed him. And as I share this, I'm under a conviction that I don't want to be a friend that fails others. I don't want to fail my friends. I want to be a true friend. And what's interesting in Job, let me just prefix this, and then we'll read Job 19.14. There are most difficult trials in life, as with Job, we can be forgotten by our friends. But a true friend won't disassociate with you just because you're going through a difficult time. The word friend is found in Job more times than any other book of the Bible. 15 times. You, you see it in that book. And because it's really talking about friends and betrayal. In verse 14 of Job 19, it says, My friends have failed and my close friends have forgotten me. He felt abandoned, he felt rejected, he felt betrayed. In verse 19, he goes on to say, all my friends abhor me, and those whom I love have turned against me. Now what's interesting, the whole story of Job, he had this horrendous trial, he had this significant loss, but at the very end, what restored and brought was a turning point of his restoration from captivity was he prayed for his friends. In Job 42.10, it says, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So my challenge to you, and the reason I'm sharing this is because if you've been betrayed by a friend, don't let that betrayal stop you from praying for them because that betrayal can often cause offense, heartache and hurt and unforgiveness. But when you pray, when you release that person, then that will ultimately be your release and God will begin to move in your life. So that is my encouragement to you. Now Jesus was a friend of the sinner with the intent to reach them with the Father's love. And as a friend of the sinner, you know, that caused Jesus um, some persecution from the, from the religious people of the day because they accused him of being with sinners and among sinners. But he wasn't with them to sin. He was with them to reach them. He was with them to reveal to them the Father's love. He was with them to show them how good God was that God wasn't against them, but God had a plan for their lives to redeem them, to forgive them their sins and, and turn their lives around. And so in John, actually not John, but Luke 7, 34, we see that passage where Jesus was a friend of the sinner. Luke 7, 34, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, he wasn't getting drunk. He wasn't doing that stuff, but they accused him of it. But yet, he was a friend of those people that needed him the most. So becoming a friend of Jesus. In John 15, 14, Jesus made this statement. He said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Wow. Now, you might say, well, 
how can I do what you commanded me? That's, that's beyond what I can accomplish. But you need to understand that when God gives a command, with that command, he gives you the ability to fulfill it because his command is his authority for you to carry out what he wants you to do. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.